0: Good moment, America. How are you? My name is Terry, and I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the world. And this is The Terry Wilkerson Show. And thank you for joining me once again for The Terry Wilkerson Show. I don't know about everybody else out there, but I've been having one hell of a couple of weeks. Um, I'll get to I'll get to things in a minute here. There's a lot going on in the world right now to unpack, uh, which is exactly why we're going to break format and not unpack any of it. Um, I, I'm sick and tired of just coming out here and complaining about Joe Beijing every single episode and not doing what I came originally on this podcast to do, which was to kind of just get my thoughts out on a number of different topics. The original format was never supposed to be just bitching and complaining about politics, although I've done my share of that. The original was to highlight what I thought was wrong in the world, and it's starting to occur to me as I get... A little bit further along the line that maybe the best way to highlight what's wrong in the world is to also help highlight what's good in the world and that's that's definitely something i'm going to have to try a- as we go along on this journey together um we we all know <laughs> you know the, the texas abortion bill we all know about the 3.5 trillion dollar package that they're trying to push through as an infrastructure we all know about everything that's going on in afghanistan all of this we've And and I think right now, at least, I think we're all kind of sick of it. I think we're all sick of just the, the bullshit that we're getting on a daily basis. We're just being inundated by the news media, by social media, by friends, by family. We're just being crushed under the weight of all of this depressing, idiotic, nonsensical news. And it's not like I can sit here and say it does not need to be addressed because it does. But sometimes you do have to take a step back. This is something I'm learning. Sometimes you have to take a step back and view the world through your own particular lens. And yes, we all view the world politically and sociologically through our own particular lens. But sometimes you have to kind of step back and, and question why you're using the lens you're using. Now... Um, I'll I'll tell you right now, I just uh, spent about a week with one of the worst tooth infections I've ever had in my life. Uh, I don't take very good general care of my teeth, and certainly not as much as I should. I don't take care of myself generally as much as I should. And um, last, well not last Saturday, but the Saturday before, I had attended a pig roast slash family reunion, I guess you would call it, in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. And if you've ever been to Lebanon... The, the first thing you think of is um, it's one giant inner city. Well, the area of Lebanon that we were in was anything but a city. Uh, the neighbors were actually cows and horses, and I am fine with that. And, and so was so was uh, my lovely fiance uh, Carol, or the wife, whatever it is I'm calling her today. It was a beautiful area. It was very nice to be there. It was nice to see a lot of my family. I hadn't seen... My cousin in 25, 26 years, um, I had never met some of these relatives. I had no idea that my cousin had children in, you know, their teens. That That's that's a hell of a um, uh, realization when your younger cousin has children in their teens. And, of course, I have my son who's uh, going to be 18 in March. So it was really fun. The The food was really good. The Pork was perfect, I have to say that from a professional standpoint. The burgers were good. My nephew actually did the cooking of the burgers. So great job there, Ty. And as we're there, I'd had a couple of adult beverages. I had tried a Modelo for the first time, and I think I would far rather drink a Corona, and I don't mean the beer. The Modelo was just garbage. I mean, I think I described it as urinal water being more attractive as a beer than modello but you know hey modello don't don't sue me i'm just giving my personal opinion on the beer so i'd had a couple of drinks and at one point my tooth the right side of my mouth just like caught fire like somebody was stabbing me in the face with uh, a corncob holder and we ended up it was a two and a half hour drive so we ended up wrapping it up right about that time Two and a half hour drive from essentially north central Pennsylvania to southeastern PA to essentially the absolute tip of southeastern PA. Hell of a drive. And of course, once I hit 95, I got a leg cramp. I tend to get those when I get on that particular part of the highway. I don't know why. I think it's just my body reacting to getting on one of the worst stretches of highway I've ever driven on in my life, with the possible exception of 287 in North Jersey. So I was dealing with this this toothache, and it got progressively worse. I ended up going to the emergency room last Wednesday. And they had me in there for a number of hours. I believe I was there for five or six hours. Ran They, they, didn't, they didn't run any blood tests or anything, but they got my entire medical history back to the time I was a zygote. The the doctors were thorough, I'll give them that, and thank you very much to the doctors who took care of me, because um, I was at the point where I wanted to bash my head up against a brick wall, or drink a Modelo, whichever would have been less painful. They did give me an antibiotic, and things are starting to clear up, well they have cleared up, things started to clear up the next day. Uh, lost a little bit of work, which was not something I was fond of. And here we are now, I'm... Obviously capable of speaking properly again. You should have heard my lisp. I mean, you guys know I have a lisp right now. You can hear it on the show. But the lisp I had for the you know first couple of days, was absolutely terrible. But the bright side of that was I was able to master my Dusty Rhodes impression. Um, and Nick, if you're out there by any chance listening to this, you know, let me tell you something, daddy. The American dream. That tooth is getting better, daddy yeah that was actually the first thing i thought of when i realized my lisp was getting that bad i thought yeah sounds like a good chance to do a dusty roads impression so that's really what's been going on over here with um with me i and it was a realization because i don't like not being in control of my body i don't like not being in control of (laughs) of my health and it's something i need to really work on but as the lovely fiancé says, men have a tendency not to listen when it comes to anything. And I know certainly I'm a man, and I know certainly when it comes to my health, yeah, I have a tendency to believe I know what's best. So there's—and here's the thing. There's—I um, have some plans for the next year or two of my life, and quite frankly, I, I need to adjust them. I need to become more aware of what I'm doing to myself and with myself. I need to be a little bit more cognizant of my physical ability, of my physical health, just like I think everybody should. And I'm not, I'm not saying be obsessed with it, but you do have to stop and every once in a while you have to stop and assess what you're doing to yourself and whether or not you're doing enough harm to shorten your lifespan because we don't get a lot of time here. We're all given this... This great gift by God. We're all given this amazing gift of this life. And you don't want to you don't want to ruin it. You don't want to basically blow it by just feeding yourself all the dumb the, the dumb shit. And by doing you know hard drugs or, or drinking too much, you you learn to love life. When the right people are in your life, you learn to love it. When the right situations are in your life, you learn to love it. And the idea of just the the pain I was in with my tooth was kind of a stark reminder that I have to start taking care of myself a little bit better. I have to start paying more attention to my diet, to my exercise. And, yeah, I'm, I'm rambling on about myself, but, hey, this is my show, just like my website. You know, whatever the hell comes to mind, that's what goes on the website. That's what goes onto this show. So... That's my last week. Um, obviously, a lot going on in the world to cover. And we're going to cover that in just a couple of minutes. But I thought I'd give you guys the update about what's been going on. Hopefully, everybody out there is doing well. Hopefully, nobody out there has had to suffer quite the way I did. Although, unfortunately, I know there are people out there who suffer worse than I was on a daily basis. And um, my my heart and uh, thoughts and prayers are out to Everybody who suffers on a daily basis, I can just only thank God that I'm in good shape right now. All right, well... um... So I find myself sitting here in the parking lot at my job before I go in. It's Wednesday morning. And I was at the gym earlier and just trying to find something to listen to because I'm, obviously, since I host a podcast, I'm very into podcasts. And every single show that I try to find, here's the problem. One of the big reasons I created the Terry Wilkerson show is I couldn't find a podcast that espoused my values. I couldn't find one. I couldn't find anybody out there who had a mantra on life that I could point to and go, that's it. That's me. That's where I stand. I Somebody gets it. The problem is nobody gets it. So there I am. I'm in the gym, in the locker room, dressing room, whatever you want to call it. And I'm trying to find a show that I can listen to while I'm doing my roughly 45-minute workout. And no matter what I do, all of the recommendations online and all the recommendations from friends and family, every time I go into one of these shows... It starts out great. You know, it starts out with, you know, this this manly attitude, and then it just takes this left turn down White Claw Street. And even, I'm not going to obviously name names, because, you know, I'm just a small guy who is right now recording in his car. But even the names out there that are supposed to be the big-time men's podcasts, turn out to be absolutely nothing but fluff. It seems like they create these things to draw you in and then tell you, oh, well, no, it's great to be a man. It's You should be proud to be a man. But, you know, feminine qualities don't hurt. I remember a time, and I'm only 45. I remember a time in this country. I remember a time in this world ...where the Marlboro Man was the ideal. I remember a time where John Wayne was the ideal. I remember a time where you could not get any more man than Johnny Cash or Frank Sinatra. And somehow, that has gone by the wayside. I know the male influences I grew up around... ...were what you would probably, in this day and age, refer to as toxic males... Frankly, I'm I'm tired of the toxic male thing. Take the toxic and shove it up your ass, because I know more toxic females than I know anything remotely close to what you would call a toxic male. It's perfectly fine to be an over-the-top feminist, but if you are a man who believes in the traditional role of a man, you're not only a quote-unquote toxic male, but you're somehow the biggest piece of shit walking around. And that's what our media, that's what our culture has begun to reflect. And I don't think that I can stress enough the idea that toxic femininity is more prevalent than toxic masculinity. I said a moment ago that I know more toxic females than I do toxic males by exponents. But I also have to say that I know more feminine men than I know feminine women, because we're at that point. Being a hardcore feminist, worshipping Megan Rapinoe is perfectly fine now, but standing up for the male qualities that made man, I'm not talking about the species man, I'm talking about The gender, you know, one of two. I'm talking about the gender of man. What made man so strong in the evolution of our society as the human race? Those qualities are acceptable now only in women. They're not acceptable in men at all. And femininity is only acceptable in men. Not in women. Do you see where the disconnect is? Do you see how this has turned everything on its head? And make no mistake, it's intentional. This is the way our media, this is the way our culture is attempting to switch everything around. It's attempting to distort the reality of humanity to take what was once the obvious delineation between a male and a female and not only blur the line of that divide, but to eliminate it altogether and to eventually reverse the roles. And that is what is going on right now in our media. That is what is going on in our culture. Andrew Breitbart famously said that politics is downstream of culture. And there are arguments to be made for and against that statement. But he is right in many respects. Because we as a society tend to... Great example here, the social media influencers. There's really only one social media, quote, influencer that I follow. And believe you me, it would be hard to find a more dominant example of the classical male role than this guy. And again, I'm not going to name names because I, first of all, I don't think it's anybody's business who I follow on social media. But secondly, if you are of the same mind that I am, believe me, you'll run into him. You'll find his stuff and you'll understand. So these social media influencers that are out there that we have we have wrapped ourselves around them and even men have done this. Now obviously this one I'm talking about, I don't absorb everything he says. No, I think he's a great example. I think he's a great um, a great model for what we're going to need to be as human beings and specifically as men. But I don't hang on every word. Unlike Nicki Minaj I, and her followers, I would never refer to him as king the way her followers refer to her as queen. And if that right there, ho, oh, oh, the Nicki Minaj thing, I won't even get into that right now. But there you go. Nicki Minaj, hey, she's allowed to be ultra-feminist. But don't you dare for one second show any masculine traits. How dare you? You have to be a cuck. You know that, right? That's the only acceptable male quality nowadays. At any rate, I digress. I'm going through all these podcasts, and they'll start out, as I said, they start out great. They start out with the big bang of masculinity. And, you know, here's the funny thing. I keep using these words like male and masculinity because I cannot find a better word for what I'm trying to say. Except to say, maybe, perhaps, real men. Because there is such a thing as a real man. You just have to understand... The basics. You have to understand where the concept of a real man came from. And in this society, we do not understand a goddamn thing about reality. Going through these podcasts, finding nothing that really strikes my fancy, even shows with real man in the title, end up becoming basically just offshoots of The View. And it occurs to me that the reason I can't find these shows is, one, they're either being suppressed by an absolutely oppressive social media and entertainment media empire, or two, they're not out there. And if they're not out there, the only plausible reasons are, well, there's no real men left, and that's a load of bullshit. Absolute load of bullshit. Or two, they are terrified of publicly making shows that support a man's right to be a man. And if that's the case, number one, I, I'm just disgusted if that's your viewpoint, that you're afraid to put your view out there because you're afraid of being doxed or you're afraid of What's going to happen to you or your family? You're afraid of being exposed. It's disgusting. And it's sad. And I don't know. I don't know what society is going to do next. I don't know where we're going to go from where we are now. But I know where I'm going to go from where we are now. I know... What I'm going to be in five years. I know what I'm going to be in ten years. And you know what I'm going to be in five and ten years? The same fucking thing I am right now. I'm a man. I am proudly a male. Okay? I don't cry at the end of terms of endearment. Alright? Yes, I kind of cried at the end of Shane, but who didn't? I'm proud to be a man. I'm sick and fucking tired of being told... That I have to be embarrassed to be a man. As a man, I'm embarrassed for those who are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Laissez-faire about manhood? Oh, well, if he wants to be a girly man, that's fine. No, it's not. And I'm tired of dealing with it. I'm tired of watching our society. I'm tired of watching our media. And I'm tired of especially watching our social media. Shit all over the concept of masculinity in the name of some type of equality. I'm done with it. In five years, I will still be the same loudmouth, pissed-off male that I am right now. And there's not a goddamn thing anybody on this planet can do to change that. I really believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have to, as men in this society, we have to step up. We have to take back our role. And it has to be done in all forms of our culture. It has to be done in our media. It has to be done in our entertainment segment. It has to be done in news, arts, literature, everything. And it has to start on the ground level. So for every man out there, and I am talking your stereotypical Hank Hill motherfucker, every man out there who watches sports, drinks beer, fishes, hunts, loves to make love to his woman. Every man out there who... works on cars, every stereotype that all these libtards out there keep shitting on. I want every guy out there I know who fits in that stereotype to listen to me. It is time to take back our culture as men. There's no fucking podcast out there to help us. So there's no media out there to help us. They're they're squashing it. They're taking anything even remotely man-oriented, and they're just forcing it out of existence. And we, as men, need to stand up and go, no, I'm done with this shit. We're taking back masculinity. Now, I've never given mine up to have to take back. So... It's not going to be very difficult for me. In five years, I'll still be me. My question for you is, what can you do to make sure that in five years, you will still be the man you are today? Those were thoughts, by the way, that I had from two Wednesdays ago, recorded them, and then, of course, uh, everything went to hell, wasn't able to put that particular episode together. So just a quick uh, glance into what was going on in my mind at that point in time, i This is a subject I'm very passionate about, the concept of toxic masculinity, which I find to be the most bullshit concept going today. I mean, (laughs) um, toxic femininity femininity is absolutely a a far more prevalent uh, idea going on in our society. So you're gonna hear me talking about that. You do all the time. You do all the time, and it's not going to change until we change it, until society decides Fuck it, we're not going to let this keep going. All right, speaking of other things that are toxic out there, I have to bring this up, and you guys knew I had to. The Talladega race, the NASCAR race this past Sunday into Monday, the Yellowwood 500, was a rain-shortened race won by Bubba Wallace. Now, last year, TerryWilkerson.com and the Terry Wilkerson Show gave Bubba Wallace the award for douchebag of the year in sports Because of his refusal to admit that What he found in his garage was not a noose But rather essentially a bowline in on a bite It was a regular not used as a garage pole. I don't want to dislike Bubba Wallace He seems like a nice guy He's a fairly good driver I considered myself a fan at one point He was carrying on the legacy Of Richard Petty Motorsports And of course now this year he's moved over to the 2311 racing With Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan And he he won this race because it was rain-shortened. To say that that this puts a bit of an asterisk on his first win, I think, is an understatement. And I think NASCAR knows that. I think there's going to have to be some type of damage control before anybody will actually accept Bubba's win as an according-to-Hoyle NASCAR win. It's really sad to me because Bubba, as I said, is a fairly good driver and seems like a nice guy. He just seems to me to at times push the race card a little bit too much. And he just doesn't. He he wants the attention. And I don't like athletes or anybody for that matter who are attention seekers. He's a heat seeker, like they say in wrestling. You know, Bubba is talented. Bubba's a nice guy. It's cool that he got his first win in any Cup Series, in in any series, I should say, in Cup, Truck, or Xfinity. It's nice that he got it in his home state. But there is a bit of a taint to it. And it's kind of sad to me that Bubba's first victory ever is always going to be remembered as a victory only because the rain wouldn't stop. I mean, NASCAR... If they had wanted to, could have easily moved the race around so that it was earlier in the day. And then who knows? You know, we might have gotten the full 500 miles. You don't know. I don't know. So I want to simultaneously congratulate Bubba Wallace for the win. And at the same time, I have to say, I think Bubba's going to need a second signature win at Daytona or again at Talladega to validate this first one. And that's unfortunate because NASCAR is a sport where guys who have only won one race ever can be just as legendary as a Richard Petty or a Dale Earnhardt or a Kale Yalboro. And this is just one of those scenarios where I think Bubba, he got the short end of the stick, but you at the same time have to wonder if maybe we as fans didn't get the short end of the stick as well. And when you talk about short end of the sticks, um, it sucks being a Yankees fan right now, the Yankees lost to the Boston Red Sox in the wild card game, and it wasn't even close. Now, you can point to a 100 different problems over the course of the season for the Yanks, the most important one being that this, the three true outcomes is just killing this ball club. The idea, home run, walk, or strikeout, the only three true outcomes. Well, that sure as shit seems like the... Um, Joey, Joey Gallo, for example, is the prototype of that, and it just seems like that's what the Yankees live by, and with Aaron Boone's contract expiring at the end of this season, do I think the Yankees are going to bring him back? No. No, I don't, and quite frankly, I don't think he should be back. I don't think he's a fit for the Yankees as a ball club. I don't think these analytics-driven processes are a good fit for the Yanks as an organization. They're they are a traditional organization that, yeah, they hit home runs, but they do it with guys on base. It's really difficult to hit a three-run home run when the guy in front of you struck out and, you know, the the guy after him struck out. It, it's very difficult. And, of course, Gio Shelo with all of his fielding problems there at the end. And we're not even going to talk about, in that game, Phil Nevin sending Aaron Judge with Hunter Renfro making the throw. We're not even going to get into that. Oh, well, I guess I just did. But not a good idea. The, there's there's fundamentals to the game of baseball. Fundamentals you start learning in Little League. Fundamentals you start learning in T-ball, for Christ's sake. And the Yankees just seem to ignore those fundamentals, and they sucked all year. Garrett Cole was terrible out there. Garrett Cole wasn't even... He wasn't an ace. He wasn't even a 2 or 3 starter. He was like a 4, or 5, or emergency starter. It just looked terrible. But, I mean, the biggest problem for me, and I got into a, twig- a Twitter argument with several people about this, was Giancarlo Stanton hits a line drive off the top of the Green Monster and stands at the plate watching the ball go, thinking it was a home run. Well, th- everybody thought it was a home run. The announcers on TV, the um, the announcers on the radio, John Sterling and Susan Waldman thought it was gone. I didn't see it. I was listening to the game because I was in the car, so I was under the impression it was gone, but apparently he just stood there and then when I went back and watched the video he just stood there and watched it because that's what Stanton does and people are talking about how Stanton was the backbone of the team for the whole second half of the year and they would have never gotten to the playoffs without him I don't see it I, I think Stanton is another example of the prototypical three true outcomes player and I cannot bring myself to support Giancarlo Stanton no matter what I just I can't He's like Alex Rodriguez to me. He just does not fit. He does not belong in the Bronx. And I I hope for the Yankees' sake that they end up trading this guy in the offseason because we need pitching and we need guys who can actually get on base. It's funny. Just 10, 15 years ago, on-base percentage was the big thing. And now all of a sudden we're at three true outcomes. And so I, I don't see... Boone coming back I hope Stanton doesn't come back and I think Gardner's done I really do there's also part of me that thinks Luke Voigt gets dumped in the offseason I know he's injured right now but I don't think he comes back and that's a sad thing because I actually like Luke Voigt I think he's a great uh he's a great fit he's a a prototypical 1980s 1990s Yankee and now here we are in my mind I, I just have this feeling that Once he's good to go, then he's definitely going to be good to go out the door. You know, maybe he and Mike Talkman can reunite over in San Francisco. I don't know. So, I mean, congratulations to the Red Sox. I will say that. That was – it was an ass-whipping. It it was a pounding on the part of the Red Sox. They destroyed the Yankees. They proved they were the better team. Now they're going on to play Tampa Bay in the ALDS. And as we speak right now, the Houston Astros are – beating up on Lance and the Chicago White Sox. Jose Otuve, of course, owns the postseason. I think the guy's going to end up... Another guy I can't stand, but I'll tell you right now, he's going to end up being considered one of the greatest postseason hitters of all time. So, I want to say good job by the Yanks, but I really can't. I'm disappointed. It just wasn't a good season, and hopefully there's going to be some changes made during the offseason, but hey, the great news is that Hockey begins next week. I don't know what a week is, just so you know. Um, Rangers are going to finish in like, you know, fourth or fifth in the division. They're not going to be good, but uh, I'm still going to be, you know, the good little boy and I'm still going to watch my Ranger games. So, hockey's on the way, thank God. And we are, of course, in pro wrestling season. There's never not a pro wrestling season. And the biggest thing going out there right now obviously you know AEW has been the hottest thing on the planet but we have to address something from WWE now I don't want anybody to think I have a personal issue with Big E he's an incredibly positive guy he's he seems like the nicest human being on the planet but he's not WWE champion material I mean, this guy is now holding a belt that Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Randy Savage, Ultimate Warrior, Undertaker, Buddy Rogers, Bruno Sammartino held. Think about that. You're you're conflating Big E historically to Bruno Sammartino because they both held the WWE title. There's, I get it. People will say, well, he's been in the company for this long and he's been a good little soldier and he's done this for the company and he's done that. So he deserves it. You deserve the WWE title, or any title. You deserve the NWA title, WWE, AEW, whatever. You deserve the World Heavyweight title when you draw. When you have enough asses in seats that are there to see you. That's when you get the opportunity to quote-unquote earn a title. And I don't think Big E has done that. I also didn't think Drew McIntyre did it, but whatever. And I certainly didn't think Bobby Lashley did it, but whatever. Um, the last three WWE champions really don't see the drawing potential. I really don't see superstar potential in any of them. But Big E, there are those out there who just applaud him because he's done what he's supposed to do. He's been the good little soldier, and now he's champion. And then there are those like me, and I've talked to quite a few people, that you know we we think Big E is going to have a hell of a time as champion. He's going to have... A hard time because there are going to be people who sooner rather than later start riding his ass about, well, what do you bring into the table? What are you doing differently as WWE champion? I mean, you know, Drew McIntyre kind of changed up his gimmick when he was champ. Bobby Lashley, they put together the Hurt Business and got him a mouthpiece and MVP. So, what is Big E going to do? You know, how is Big E going to represent WWE differently than anybody else did? Look at those historical champions I talked about. Every single one of them represented the title differently. Undertaker, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Randy Savage, Bruno Sammartino, Buddy Rogers. They all represented the WWE Championship in their own way. They all represented the company differently. They all meant something to the presentation of the company. And I just don't see Big E having, other than being the upbeat, positive personality, I just don't see him being different enough especially different than Kofi Kingston, for example, to make any major difference in terms of his appeal, in terms of his box office draw. Because what no matter where we stand in professional wrestling right now, no matter where we are in terms of streaming services or what whatever have you, it's still about putting asses in the seats. And Big E just does not seem like the kind of guy, he has never seemed like the kind of guy that could put asses in the seats. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he does bring something different. Uh, other than a massive and unexpected heel turn, I don't really see what it could be, but I hope there's something out there that he can do to be a little bit different. Uh, Speaking of different um, Bray Wyatt, we haven't heard anything from there's a lot of most people originally thought he was going to AEW and that would have been, that would have been a perfect fit, I think at the time, but now that the weeks are passing by even more, And the rumors are starting to shift toward him going to Impact Wrestling. That actually makes a hell of a lot of sense to me. Because we already know Braun Strowman is headed there as Titan. And of course, Eric Redbeard is out there somewhere in the wrestle sphere. So you can kind of reunite the Wyatt family in Impact. And if I were booking Impact, and of course I'm not, but if I were... Obviously, I would put together something resembling the Wyatt family, but I have an interesting fourth member. I have an interesting addition that m- you may not think of, but would be perfect in my mind for an addition to that particular faction, Eric Young. Now, I realize he's the head of um, violent, uh, violent by design, violence for life, violent. No, violence unlimited that that's a uh, ring of honor, but I think it's violent by design. Yes, he's the leader of that, and yes, he's injured right now. But think about adding Eric Young, that character, especially the one from Sanity, into a Rotunda, Wyndham, whatever, family-type situation. I think it's a really good fit. Eric Young is a great mind for the sport. He has great awareness. And to pair him in there with a Wyndham Rotunda, who is one of the best minds in the business over the last, say, 30 years, I think that would just be a phenomenal addition to any type of faction that Wyndham Rotunda would be in charge of and if he does in fact go to impact I think the guys who book impact should take a look into that and you know maybe listen to the old Terry once you know once uh, once or twice All right, we're going to wrap this up this particular episode but you know before we go I, I have to address this if you haven't heard about it or if you have seen the hashtag let's go Brandon if you don't know what's going on the NASCAR Xfinity race, uh, Brandon Brown won his first race. It was the first time in history that all three races were won by a first-time winner. The The Cup, the Truck, and the Xfinity. And during the post-race interview, fans in the front row near where Brandon was being interviewed could be heard chanting, Fuck Joe Biden. And of course, the broadcaster who was interviewing Brandon made the comment, oh, how nice, they're chanting, let's go, Brandon. It's hilarious, and at the same time, it's a little bit disturbing that they would go so left of center in terms of presenting the truth. But I guess that's what NASCAR does. I guess says, well, it's technically it's NBC, not really NASCAR, more NBC. I guess that's the way NBC wants to handle it. But uh, if you've heard, let's go, Brandon, and you don't know where it's from, that's exactly where it's from. So with that, we're going to wrap up this week's episode. Thank you, as always, for joining us here. Let's go, Brandon. Thank you for joining us once again on The Terry Wilkerson Show, which is a presentation of 1975 Podcast Productions, a division of 1028 Media. Go to www.terrywilkerson.com. For more information, it is the home of our podcast. We are, by the way, in the midst of putting together the first season of Walking Tall, our podcast on self-reliance and economical living. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Pocket Cast, CastBox, or wherever you download your fine podcast content. Go to the website, sign up for the impending newsletter. We're still putting one together. And until we see you guys next time, have a great Thank you.